subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, you guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Chuck, did you stay cool this weekend? Just shut the blinds, crank up that AC? Did you manage to, to stay okay? I enjoyed the air conditioner. Yes, I did. What do we do without it? I don't know. Sweat. You tell me. You guys used to live without <laughs> Sometimes it. Sometimes you sweat with it. So, uh, What was it like in cars when they didn't have AC and houses? When I mean, what was that like? Explain that to me. Well, I don't know. They had air conditioning when I was growing yeah. up. My dad did. I had an air-conditioned car most of the time. Yeah. I had one car that was not air-conditioned, but uh, no, we had air-conditioning, plumbing, whole deal. Yeah. Shoes. Plumbing, too. Yeah. We had Shoes, it all. Yeah. Uh, my dad didn't have central heat and air in his home until his senior year of high school, 1971. So, Now, there was not air-conditioning in my high school. When I graduated high school in 1981, there was no air-conditioning in the high school then. Uh, I do remember that. Catholic High had a thing when it was, I think it was 90 plus degrees. The the Catholic guys got to go home early in Little Rock because they didn't have air conditioning for the longest time. I think they've installed it since then. But I know certain high schools in the state would have hit a a certain temperature threshold. They weren't allowed to do it. Tommy, you you would know this isn't in in high school with football practice during the week. It doesn't, if it hit a certain threshold, they. They have to stop practice or I, something? I don't completely. Uh, they, they have this device called a wet bulb, and I don't exactly know what it does and how it reads the heat and humidity, but when it goes off, they're supposed to shut down practice or move inside, one or the, one or the other. And, uh, you know, hopefully the coaches pay attention to that. I guess if you're a player over there and things are getting a little rough in practice or uh, things aren't going your way, you're hoping that that, that alarm goes off, I guess, uh, to maybe get saved by the bell, so to speak. But yeah, they have a device that they uh, – they measure the heat and humidity anymore at practice with. Well, it gets rolling for Arkansas high schools. It also gets rolling for Arkansas. We'll get a chance to watch a little bit of practice starting at 2.50 on Friday. And, Chuck, I was listening to your podcast this week, and I'm with you, man. I can't call this thing fall camp. I'll call it preseason <laughs> camp. I'll call it anything else but fall camp. Anything else. Well, I mean, we're getting down into the nitty-gritty when we talk about that. But, yeah, I, uh, I've just always found that funny. People talk about fall camp, and it's not fall this week, that's nope, for nope. sure. Wednesday through Saturday, the temperature does not drop below 102 as a high. That's, again, it, it is going to get up to 100%, over 100 each day in Fayetteville. It's not just across Arkansas. In Fayetteville, when it's 100-plus, you know it's hot outside. Yeah, and one thing that's it does not get a, it does not get to a hundred here very often. No, in in uh, Fayetteville, it it does not get to a hundred very often. It certainly doesn't get to one hundred and five very often. That's that's the nope. forecast for later this week. Now, I thought it was interesting. One of the comments Sam Pittman made with us on uh, on our chat with him, and he he also said this at media days is. We've not avoided the hottest parts of the day for our runs. Now, it hadn't been 100 degrees when they've been out there running, 
but he said we, we've we've taken two afternoon runs and we're acclimating to this so it's it's been part of their summer toughness chuck is uh is is being out in the heat of the day well that is part of it and it's different now than it once was because you know the season starts earlier you know you were talking about the time when you didn't have air conditioning that's when you didn't start seasons and school this early starts a lot earlier now there was also a time when you didn't have them all summer and kids would go home and you'd hope that maybe they were hauling hay because uh they'd come back in august and they'd be in shape and some kids who weren't maybe weren't as in shape and you had to spend some time getting them there and that's one of the differences you know we talk about the heat and all the things that are going on right now in terms of football practice in high school, I know the bigger programs have them all year long. I don't know that all the smaller ones do. There are a lot more kids in Arkansas playing football for small-town schools and big-town schools. So uh, it's a concern, I think, perhaps maybe even more so at that level because it, at the collegiate level now, um, you're just transitioning from one phase into another. They've been on campus for a while, and I'm sure they did do a lot of that in the hottest part of the day. Because um, that is what gets you ready for what they're going to endure later this week. That's for sure. They're going to have full gear on by the time the week's over. I I guess early next week at the latest. So in the summertime, you're in shorts and T-shirts. So it'll be a little bit different now. I believe, y'all correct me if I'm wrong on this, we had, again, Coach Pittman on last week and talked about a variety of things. I think this is the first time that we'll actually get to hear from Coach Souders publicly. Correct, and I know that strength and conditioning. Did he speak when he was hired? I thought he did. Did he? Okay, maybe he did. Maybe I'm misremembering that. But this one will have more uh, more meat to it because you'll you'll find out exactly how the first summer went. Yeah, I mean, and in in terms of of what a strength and conditioning coach does, he he has completed his season, so to speak. I know there's work to be done during the week, and they'll lift during the year, and they'll lift during the season, but. Chuck, the, the, the head coach measures his strength and conditioning coach based on what happens in, in January in that eight weeks and then the summer in, the, in that time period as well. And, you know, sometimes when we hear what's said in the summer, it goes in one ear and out the other. And sometimes that happens here and sometimes it's justified. In this instance, I, I, I do think it's important because that was the biggest change. You know, and when the head coach talks about why it didn't go as well last year as it did the year before, that physicality and identity and uh, short yardage situations, that, that's what he talks about. And so, you know, that was the first change that they made, the very first change that they made at the end of last season. So I do think it's a little bit more pertinent this year maybe than it might be in some years. You're welcome to jump on with us here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline, 877-377-6963. We're at the Beat the Heat Summer Swing at Lost Springs Golf Club for Kendrick Fincher. Hydration for life. You know, we were there would be a lot of questions. The good thing is we're going to hear from Coach Pittman on Wednesday. We'll hear from Coach Souders on Wednesday. We'll get a chance to talk with Coach Jimmy Smith and some of his guys in the running back room and kind of go across the board. I think a, a lot of people are interested. We've, we've heard from, again, Coach Pittman at this point, but they want to hear from some of the coaches and players, particularly Travis Williams and, and Dan Enos, which it's been a while since we've gotten to hear them speak about their sides of the football. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we'll see how much that happens. I, I don't, I don't really know. Um, you know, last year, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the coordinators were made available all that often. We didn't hear from them 
Um, That's right. Maybe we will in camp, maybe. I don't know. But, um, look, the proof's going to be in the pudding, so to speak. We're going to see on the field the finished product. And, you know, that's the bottom line. You talk about, you know, when a strength coach, you know, when his worth is measured, certainly his season, so to speak, you know, has has been going on. But his worth is going to be determined in uh, October and November. And that's when ideally you reap the dividends of what you're doing right now. Or maybe it's in a third and two situation at Baton Rouge in the conference opener. Or maybe it's in one of the games before that. Who knows? But, um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But I don't know how many, you know, how many times we'll hear from the coordinators. But we're going to see their finished product on the field very quickly. Yeah, and um, kind of like you're saying, so they're going to have, again, the position coaches and players. I didn't see anything about the, the coordinators in, in that email, but I would have just assumed that that's going to be the case. I want to see, again, Friday we'll get a chance to watch a glimpse. My guess is about 15 minutes or so of practice, and I would guess from that day moving forward we'll get a, a chance to watch maybe a segment or two of, uh, of practice each week. And just, again, to see these guys, because it's been since the spring since you've actually gotten a chance to, to watch anything on the field. Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, generally how it works is we'll pay attention to every move for a few days, and then you'll get into the dog days of preseason camp, just like we're in the dog days of summer right now. We'll get into the dog days of those camps, and um, then we'll get to Labor Day weekend, and we'll get to watch our teams play. And at that point, um, you know, it's going to be on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting to see them out there. I know they're excited about being there. And, um, you know, everybody's going everybody's gonna to have a chance to – you know, get out there before the week's over. I guess we'll see what happens. I think one of the things to when we when we talk to players and they're going to be by position groups. And I know you know one of the we hadn't gotten a complete schedule of when everybody's going to talk. But uh, Jimmy Smith was brought up in the email we got, and we'll get to talk to Rocket Sanders and AJ Green and two or three of the running backs. But you know what's what's your approach mentally as a player? You know, we're thirty what thirty three days time from the season starting. Yep. You know, by the time they get to the camp, we're going to be uh, on Friday and it's full full start. I mean. We're going to be inside 30 days, and I guess to some degree, <laughs> you're relieved to be out of you know daily weightlifting five days a week and all the conditioning, and now you get to go play. So it's not like they're going to you know just get get underway for the first time on Friday. But what's your approach through this? You know, is it is it week to week? Is it day to day? I know in football we the cliche of you know you take it one one game at a time, one play at a time, all of these things. But there is a mental aspect to the approach you take of of surviving a camp and you're trying to survive injury free you're trying to get get through it with the heat not uh having its full effects on you i mean there, there's a i think the the way you approach it mentally is an interesting thing because you got to grind your way through this week after week and it's different for different players yeah you know um for some the next three or four weeks will be a definite proving ground uh for others they've already proven themselves and their approach will be a little bit different in that respect the one thing that you know i think you have to keep in mind from the from a players and coaches perspective is it's 33 days until the first game that's what we focus on it's five days until the first practice mm-hmm. four mm. so for them the season starts this week for them this is game week yeah you know for us it's not 
But if you're a guy who's trying to move from four to three and up to two on the depth chart, man, it's game week. And so I'm sure from their perspective, from those players' perspective, and a mental standpoint, they're uh, they're gnawing at the bit. Yeah, but what what is music to a head coach's ears is the players can't wait to get to practice because the summer off-season workouts have been so difficult. Practices will seem easier. Uh, you know, that, that's what a head coach like Sam Pittman wants is, hey, they've had such a tough offseason, the players relish the idea of a first practice because it will be easier. And I think that's the intent of changing strength and conditioning coaches is the mental aspect of that and also, you know, that the summer workouts have been a challenge that they have survived and passed the test. Well, if you read between the lines and everything that's been said from the moment the clock hit zero in Columbia, Missouri, it's been, we got to be tougher. Yeah. we got to be tougher. You can use words like physicality, things like that, but the bottom line is the message was, was very clear. we got to be tougher. Mm-hmm. And so that starts with, we're going to be tougher on you. And that's kind of how it works. And I think that, um, in fact, I know that the tone in the offseason this summer was a lot different than the tone in the offseason last summer. I am certain of that. And um, we'll see how that carries over into the season. I think that's a really important thing this year. You think that's the approach from the coaching staff and starting with Sam Pittman? That, that yes. that's been the change? Because yes. do, do you think last year, you know, when, when you talk about NIL, you talk about portal, you know, there is a case to be made to lightening up on guys, but maybe they did that for a year and realized that, hey, that this isn't the path for us. Well, he said that. Yeah. I mean, he said that. And so um, they're changing course. And look, the tone set by the head coach, and he knows that, Every head coach sets the tone from the time the day begins, from the time he walks in the building until the time he shuts his car door at night. He sets the tone. Um, And if there's somebody on your staff that you don't feel like is setting the tone the way you want it set, well, you remove that person and bring somebody else in. And I don't think you felt like a tough enough tone was being set. And that's where it starts. That room is where it starts. And so... Yeah, I think this is a head coach's deal. I think it starts from the top of his head and works down from there. And I think that's been the message, again, from the moment the clock struck zero in uh, Columbia, Missouri. You guys referenced the running back room there with Jimmy Smith, who, again, we'll get a chance to hear from later this week. You think about what's behind Rocket, and, of course, he's got the accolades. He's got the preseason hype, being first-team All-SEC and All-American in some cases. I'm wondering how that shakes out with Dominique Johnson being – ready to go you've got A.J. Green you've got Rashad DeBinion Dominique Johnson they've they've said good things about Isaiah August Dave you would think A.J.'s still firmly at that number two spot but how they divvy out the carries this year I think is going to be interesting with what Danny Enos has to work with and hopefully injuries don't uh predicate or force you into doing things a certain way that but you're you know that's the one place you're deep enough it's the one place they didn't bring a portal player in guys mm-hmm. yeah I mean you've got four deep there if Dominique's back and he's ready to go and he's healthy, you're you're legitimately four deep there. Now, A.J. Green was the clear number two coming out of spring. And there's going to be some battles there. You know, we were talking about, is it game week? You know, it's game week for those guys. And, you know, somebody's going to – you know, Rocket's going to be the number one. We know that. And some of it's going to be, you know, situational. Yep. But at the end of the game, it may be who's the hot hand. Mm-hmm. Who's the hot hand? Who's fresh? Who's the hot hand? So all those guys are going to compete for that role. 
and I think it says a lot about Jimmy Smith and what he's done to this point to keep all those guys on campus. Because again, that's a that's a position where you want to, and like every other position, you want to be the starter. But it's harder to get minutes, harder to get carries, and you still manage to keep all those guys. Tommy, I don't, I don't even think it was the, just the transfer report. I did you get a kid out of high school too? It might have been both. I'm pretty sure it might have been that you didn't bring in a player out of the transfer portal. And I don't even know if you brought like no August Dave's a freshman. Yeah. Sorry, that's incorrect. But the fact that again your room—that's the one position group that you look at across the board—and you can say there is SEC depth there. Now, Chuck, I know you referenced the defensive line in the podcast on Friday, and I was I was looking at that, and I was I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, well, yeah, that's that's quality, that's quality. And you were just going through the two and three deep. It's not the running back level, but there's there's some good quality depth there as well. Talking about defense or running backs? Def- and defensive line. Too. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not the they, running they, back level, but it's well, still Well, still you know, you've got legit depth at both those spots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've uh, – uh, personnel-wise, it seems as though, anyway, they're where they need to be. Now, injuries can change that or maybe somebody underperforms or whatever, but they've got good depth there. And here's the thing about the running backs room is that you know, if you're going to fashion yourself as a physical running football team, if you're going to call yourself running back you, well, you should have a full room of good running backs. I mean, if your identity is physical football and running the thing and, you know, blowing people off the ball and you've only got two running backs back there, well, then you've lost your identity somewhere along the way. And I think the fact they've got a full room yeah. um, tells you this is where good running backs want to come. I don't know if Arkansas is going to have this segment or this session for their preseason camp, but I have seen a couple of different schools come up with the Beat Georgia segment of the practice. Michigan's doing it. LSU's doing it. And, again, Georgia's the creme de la creme right now. Guys, Kirby Smart has a chance to do something that Bear Bryant didn't do. Nick Saban hasn't done. Urban Meyer, Spurrier, Osborne, Switzer. And that's when three straight national championships. It's pretty crazy that now that's the focus is not shifted to, to beat Alabama. Again, they're still at the top of the West, but all eyes are on what Georgia is happening in the next couple weeks as well with Carson Beck. Yeah, I don't think Arkansas is going to have to beat Georgia in their practice. Um, but, you know, that's what those guys want to do. That's, that's fine. I mean, Georgia set a great standard, and nothing wrong with wanting to be as good as them because right now they're the – as you say, they're the creme de la creme. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, for, for a lot of these programs right now, I mean, why if, you, if you're one aimed at the top, you know, you've got to knock the king off the castle, you know, king of the mountain, so to speak. So, I mean, um, I, I that's why I don't think Georgia, just because of the history you laid out there, Ty, it's been since the 30s, since anyone's three-peated. That's why I'm not big on Georgia winning at all this year. Now, they got a, se- a regular season schedule that I think will set them up in position, but I think something will happen when it comes down to the end, and somebody else will uh, will dethrone, if you will, Georgia, because I just I think there's a, there's a good well, reason why. You're just talking why. about the law of averages. I'm, yeah, exactly. You're just talking about mm-hmm. the law of averages. Absolutely. Um, I mean, if you played them all on paper, Georgia would probably do it again. But they but don't play don't, them on paper. So. Yeah. Yeah, you and know, they don't. We'll what there's a reason it's been nearly a hundred years since somebody's done it. It's ninety years since somebody's done this. So, yeah. uh, well, let me say this: if there's a team out there that I've seen, um, you know, t- uh, those vintage Alabama teams, and this one would be the ones that I would say would do it, or at least have the best chance mm-hmm. to do it. Well, uh, Carson Beck taking over for Sets and Ben—that's a key part of this 
whole equation. Uh, McCarty Daniel Hotline is open, 877-377-6963. That's where Jimmy and Conway is this morning. Jimmy, welcome in. You've got some comments on Hogs this this week at uh, preseason camp. Top of the morning to you, fellas. Hey, first off, Michigan needs to have a BTCU segment of their practice. They, they, they think they're better than they are. They need to worry about small things that they can't beat instead of Georgia. But anyway, I, I, here's my opinion on the Hogs this season. If the wide receiver core is good as advertised, which these guys have done it at other places, but we don't know how they're going to be in the SEC. If they're above average, we're going to have an above average year. If they're just average, you know, who knows? But we need one of them to be exceptional. If we get more than one to be exceptional, look out. Because we know we can run the football. And I have no doubt the defense will be better. What do you think, guys? Thanks. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, I heard uh, one of the defensive backs, Walcott, talking about it last week, and he was just talking about the size and speed. He's mainly referring to, to Broden, Hillsdale, and Armstrong, the guys that you brought in as a transfer pool. I, I don't, guys, I don't know who's going to be in the alpha dog in that room, but I tend to agree with Jimmy. If those guys are better than you, you think they might be, which they were all alphas at their colleges, but if they can even have some success in the SEC, maybe more than we thought they could, then yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with Jimmy on that take. Well, it's a great unknown because we've not seen him. You know, we really haven't. It's not like this guy, you know, Armstrong played at Baylor like some of these defensive backs do, where you can go back, punch it up, watch the game, see what you think. Um, you know, they are unknown quantities in many respects. And so, yeah, there's uh, there's questions there. They've, um, You know, when we talk about summer, we're not just talking about running and all that stuff and physical work. I mean, um, you know, they're doing a lot of throwing and catching on their own. At least ideally they are. And so... That'll be a you know that'll be an issue. It all works together. The whole all eleven guys work together, but timing's certainly going to be important. And would be nice if one of those guys would emerge. I don't know if there's a trailing Burks in there, but maybe there's someone that's almost as good. Yeah, maybe we'll get an idea of what Satania's ceiling will be, uh, or kind of the progress he'll make this year. Because I, I think that's the one at least the fans are rooting for because he's he's from here. So I think that's the that's the guy a lot of people are uh, maybe going to turn their first eye to this year. During the summer months, I know many of you are active, going to the lake, going to the beach. And if you want to live a healthier lifestyle and look better on these occasions, then I've got just the meal kit for you. It's Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. And you can get 50% off your order right now using the code HTL50. Just go to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. You're going to save trips to the grocery store. Your meals are going to be ready in about two minutes. They're fresh, never frozen. Plus, they have over 34 weekly restaurant options like bruschetta shrimp risotto and grilled steakhouse filet mignon. They have keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie options. Don't forget about breakfast and start your day right with Factor. Take 50% off right now. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. That's Factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963.
McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. Your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. All right, let's go to the phone lines and welcome in Brent, who's in Stuttgart, the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Brent, go ahead, man. You're on the morning rush. I, I thought the danger zone was my, was my theme song for the day, and I thought, all right, let's go. Yeah. All right. The, the mouth says this right here. The Brent the mouth says, with that four-game stretch, I'm just going to tell you, boys, if we go two and two, that's a huge victory right there. I would love to, I would love to say four and oh, three and one, but if we go two and two, that is a huge way to start that season with that four-game stretch. I'm just telling you right now. I don't think there's a fan out there that well, wouldn't take nice. two and two. Be nice. You take two and two. There's not a fan out there that wouldn't take two and two in that stretch, Brent. One and three. I and mean, I got. You'd be okay with mm-hmm. it, but two and two is you take it right now. Hey, I gotta tell you, I got a new van last week, and I couldn't figure out how to listen to y'all with the uh, with the Bluetooth like I did in my old Chrysler van, <laughs> and I had to tell my sister. I said, "How do I get to working?" She said, all you got to do is press Bluetooth, and you can get every... I said, okay, I learned something new about a Toyota. I had to learn you had to press a button to open up the gas hatch. I am I am challenged yeah. when it comes to new activities. I'm just going to tell you. Sounds like you're living the high life, Brent. I, Chuck, how would you call my life? I would call it somewhere between high and low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it uh, it varies. I mean that uh, that graph goes up and down. I'll just put it that way. Hey, hey, Chuck, it's just tough being Brent Bender. That's all I can say. I know it is. Thank you, Brent. Good to talk to you. <laughs> you know, he's he, he's uh, that is the focus that a lot of people are going to have. And, and look, we talked about it too that that four game stretch. But you know, you better get off to a good start. They all matter. You say those early games don't matter. Well, you lose one of them. You'll find out how much they matter. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you all of them matter, but that four-game stretch is what a lot of people are going to focus on. And, um, you know, if you come out of that two and two, it means that, you know, you play at LSU, you play A&M, you play at Ole Miss, you play at Alabama. You come out of there with a couple of wins, there's, there's two quality wins in there, I can assure you. 
Oh, I think the most important thing about the four-game stretch is going into it 3-0. and And, you know, I don't want to say it's a layup, but if you're not 3-0 and going into that four-game stretch, the, the perspective and the mindset and the sense of urgency around, you know, at least with the fans is going to be a whole different thing. So I think being 3-0 oh, and is the no most question. important thing, you know. Well, I mean, it's uh, – um, and you got to be 1-0 and before you can get to 3-0 and mm-hmm. and so forth. So, I mean, yeah, they'll uh, – uh, they should win those games. I think they know that. But it doesn't mean they will. And, you know, you've, um, you've got other guys that are coming in trying to ruin the whole thing. But um, that's why I said a minute ago when you talk about that stretch that survive means different things to different people. You know, two and two may be survival to one. It may be success to another. And, and you know, you can just pick your numbers there. Um, <laughs> I'd like him to come home with KJ intact and, you know, ready to – you know, ready to take on those those five games, yeah. four of which are at home. Two and two means a whole different thing to Georgia and Bama, though. Yeah. So, well, I mean, but 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 here's the thing. From our perspective, I, I mean, you can start doing the math. If you're two and two out of those four ball games and three and zero oh before that, four or five at home, you got a chance to have a really good year. Um, you, you mentioned the, the physicality, like you're talking about, when you go up against LSU, who got their best defensive lineman back, maybe their best defensive player back. They're going to be better on defense than they were last year, depending on how their secondary shakes out. And then A&M, uh, who we know, again, we make fun of the Aggies all the time, but that's not going to be an easy battle when it comes to physicality. Oxford, you get a little... Uh, it, uh, they do run the football, but it's a little more of a finesse style than it is typical standard SEC. And then, of course, finishing it out in Tuscaloosa, where Dallas Turner is going to be pinning his ear ba- ears back on you the entire time. So that stretch for KJ's health is, is really important. Well, you know, we focus so much on Alabama and Georgia. Hey, let's start beating Ole Miss. Let's pass Ole Miss. Let's pass Mississippi State. Let's make it understood when, no matter how uninformed some of these guys are when they place these preseason votes, let's make it obvious every year that Arkansas has passed these programs, that they're not going to be picked fifth, certainly not with a returning starting quarterback and a returning 1,400-yard rusher. Are you kidding me? Um, You know, let's climb the ladder. Let's pass Auburn. Let's stay past Auburn. Um, you know, Alabama and Georgia are still going to be Alabama and Georgia, and you can bet they'll be waiting when we get there. They'll be waiting. And um, that's what I hope this year is that, you know, and I do believe we've made progress, even though last year was a step back from the year before. I do believe in totality, the arc's moving in the correct direction for us. Um, but I think we need to climb the ladder as opposed to focusing so much on Alabama and Georgia. We're not going to be Alabama and Georgia this year. We're just not. We may have a great year, but their programs are still going to be ahead of where we are. That's just reality. But let's keep climbing, and let's pass the teams that are in front of us. Let's beat Missouri every year. Um, those are the things that I think are realistic. You do that three or four years in a row – You'll be knocking on those other fellows' door. But it's a process that you got to go through, and, and, and we're not through it yet. Uh, Pim is 4-2 and two against Ole Miss and Mississippi State. He's 2-4 and four against Auburn and Texas A&M. Auburn's been making waves in the recruiting cycle as of late. Hugh Freeze just flipped a five-star wide receiver from Alabama. That's going to be an issue. And, I, and I, I've thought this for a while when he came there. We saw what he did in Oxford. 
Auburn's a better pro- football program than Ole Miss. And now you have to deal with that. You had a lapse with Brian Harson when he was in Auburn. You don't have that anymore. And that's going to be, again, something else Sam Pittman has to deal with moving forward because Free's going to ha- is going to have that thing rolling before too long. Well, Auburn's a traditional program. They're good. And anybody that thinks Auburn's going to be lousy for long just hasn't been paying attention. Now, they've not been able to do it as consistently as their in-state rival, the team they want to beat more than anybody else. But Auburn's had, you know, they've had some great years. They've had some really, really good teams nationally and won national titles. So, you know, Auburn's formidable, and um, it won't take him very long. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Thing that all thing that Auburn's always had to battle. You mentioned Alabama, then they also play Georgia, and right now it's just a bad time to have Alabama and Georgia both on your schedule every year. But that's that's just part of being Auburn, you know. And that that right now, in in, in recent times, hasn't hasn't obviously worked out too great for them. You watch, it's they'll been beat cyclical. Alabama. Yeah. It's yeah. been cyclical, but but Auburn historically has held their own against certainly Georgia, and not beating Alabama as much. But when they have, it's been big. Hey, you watch. I mean, I I don't. I think Alabama is going to narrowly pull it out this year in Jordan-Hare. But I mean, even to, was it two years ago when they went in there and that Auburn team was bad and they still only managed to win in like double or triple overtime. That's you know rivalry. It doesn't matter how good or how bad Auburn is. They always seem to at least compete with Alabama. Well, yeah, what well, Bama had to make a, a final drive there to win the ball yep. game. So Bryce Young, well, there's I an did. entire season to go through too. And and you know, you don't know what they're going to be like when they when we get there. If Auburn's as bad as some people think, they may just be playing out the string looking to next year and I don't know, but generally speaking, you're right. I mean, it's a rivalry game and weird things happen in those games. We've talked a lot about the Alabama quarterback battle and what's going on with Buckner, Milrow, and, and Ty Simpson. Um, but the other one is what's going on at Auburn with Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne, who they brought in from Michigan State. A lot of people thought Thorne was just going to come in and be the starter. But based on some of the stuff I read, that isn't initially the case. That's another. There's some quarterback battles. We've talked about position battles for Arkansas. There's some intriguing quarterback battles in the SEC right now who's going to end up winning and being the starter named either during fall camp or post-fall post fall camp in a couple weeks. Well, Ashford will be their quarterback for the most part. I, I, I would be certain that he would go into the season as the starter. I, I, I can't imagine that a guy that, you know, left Michigan State is going to come to Auburn and win the starting job. I, I, I just find that a little hard to believe. Well, Ashford couldn't throw a football last year, so I think a lot of Auburn fans were hoping that he wasn't going to be the guy heading this season. Maybe Hugh Freeze has worked some juju and magic with him, but a guy I watched last year can't cut in the SEC. Well, he was a kid. I mean, he was young. You know, no. I mean, he was he was he was young. He'll get better. He, Ashford's a great athlete, and that's that's why I think ultimately he'll he'll be the starter. Now he may lose the job. Who knows? But mm-hmm. I think he'll be the one going in. Yeah. Well, then uh, we'll keep an eye on, on that. But, you know, I, I think uh, it'd be interesting to see some of these battles. And I'm, I'm kind of with you, Chuck, that, you know, let's just see how he looks the first few weeks because uh, to base everything on last year, we'll probably be wrong guessing a lot of times when we when we get down to the final analysis. Well, I mean, I hope so. We were 6-6 six and six last year. Right. So, uh, so I hope everybody that's basing their opinion on Arkansas is looking beyond that. And some of them obviously weren't when they, when they picked Arkansas to finish fifth. 
preseason camp gets underway this week. We'll have a chance to talk with Coach Pittman and Coach Souders on Wednesday and some other position players and position coaches in the coming days following that. Guys, one of the things Coach Pittman has talked about is the fact that they made it through spring relatively healthy. We still haven't um, got an updated status from Quincy McAdoo. I know Coach told us uh, two weeks or a week and a half ago at SEC Media Days that they were hoping to hear something positive in the next two or three weeks. But that's another aspect of fall camp you're hoping for is just not to have the same number of injuries that you seem to suffer heading in there last year. Yeah, I don't recall that they... I don't recall what Abby's been so long. I, I don't recall if they had any injuries in fall or preseason camp last year, but obviously you hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, you hope you can get through it, and they uh, they were relatively unscathed at the end of spring. I remember Marion Harris went down in the spring game, but apparently he's he's okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, and that's that's the objective. You want to hit that first game of the season with everybody healthy. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I was – pros but joe burrow you know you, you just never know rolling out just a little drill non-contact stuff it can change yeah. the course of your season in the blink of an eye right now and um i know that's the nfl but the, you know that that's the thing the bengals fans are worried about and you just you know you hope nothing like that happens with your football team obviously but that's how fast it can change the course of a season People were scared he tore his Achilles. Um, what's Zach Taylor, their head coach, said it was a calf injury. Calf strain. Yeah. yeah which, uh, again, he's still going to be out a little while. Yeah. Point is, it. it can happen in mm-hmm. unusual circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and you brought up the most important part of that time is the non-contact portion. That's yeah. when you get a little scared and you, you get worried as a fan, whether you're a Bengals fan or an Arkansas fan, is where you see someone come up gimpy or limp when – they don't get hit or anything. It's just it's on their own accord, essentially. Well, I mean, KJ's not going to be touched the entire camp. I mean, that, that's just the way it is with quarterbacks. And you know, but we know what the the course of the season, the direction it would change if something like that happened to KJ. They would put him out for a a portion or the entire season. So I mean, it uh, it can, it can happen. And my guess is, uh, across college football, we're going to have a few of those unfortunate stories and. You know, that's why you don't touch your quarterbacks. You're, you're trying to preserve, you know, preserve their health all the way through. How many laps would a certain linebacker or cornerback run if they touch KJ? They hit KJ Jefferson. Would they run to the laps the end of would be the, the least of their problems. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be the least of it. Just hope to have a locker still when it's all over with. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even uh, – I, I, I know practices used to be different with the quarterback and stuff, but I, I can't even imagine someone taking a hit on, on KJ at any point during fall camp, and the, uh, the repercussions that would come following that would be pretty severe. That's the way it is everywhere, though, anymore. And, you know, oh, yeah. I, I always, that's, that's standard operating right. procedure. But I just wonder how – you know, particularly a quarterback like KJ that – is going to run. They are going to try to strip the ball. That contact will matter. How do you really get a guy like that ready? By but also balance out keeping him healthy. I mean, I think it's a difficult challenge. I don't think it is for a guy like KJ who's been around the block. I think maybe if you've got a guy that's not played as much, yeah, I think it's different. But now, certainly, you know, you can't simulate a game situation, and he is going to be fair game. Uh, from the Western Carolina game on. But he has enough experience right now. I don't think anybody's going to do anything that is going to surprise him. And, you know, it's going to be hard to strip the ball from K.J. for them too, you know. Um, So I think he'll be okay in that area. 
Uh, again, the, luckily he's played a, a good chunk of minutes to this point in time, so you've gotten to that point. Yeah, I just wonder what other players would it, you know would it be a Rocket Sanders and an AJ Green who on defense maybe would would also be protected this year? That'd be a good question for Sam on on Wednesday because I don't think I, I don't think KJ is going to be the only player that goes you know through the full camp without without some contact. There may be some again a, a little less than others, a little more than others. Like like KJ won't get any, but um, some of these guys that are like you said, Chuck are proven. A Rocket Sanders. Probably going to be off limits to a good portion of the camp. Maybe not the entire camp like A.J., but a good portion of it. I would imagine so. I think there will be some guys out there with maybe different colored jerseys on than everybody else. And obviously, K.J. will lead that group. Um, you know, he did say, uh, Pittman did say that he made a mistake last year not hitting as much. Now, I'm sure he's more, you know, he's harder on himself than anybody else would be. You know, if you'd you know, won a couple more games, it wouldn't have been a mistake. But maybe if you'd done it, you'd won a couple more games. I don't know. But um, so, yeah, I think there'll be, you know, they'll, there may be a time or two when everybody but KJ takes a lick. But as you say, it won't be very often. I do not want to get your uh, starting quarterback out. Not that Arkansas is not going to have an injury at some point this season, hopefully one that's not as devastating. But based on everything that team went through last year as a football team, especially in the secondary, you're just hoping the injury bug doesn't bite you again. We're here at Beat the Summer Swing at the Lost Springs Golf Club here in Rogers with Kendrick Fincher, Hydration for Life. Tommy, we got Brett Good, and we got a couple other guys we're scrambling with later on today. Boy, they got a heavy load with you on their team, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. I'm going to drag them down, unfortunately. Brett Good's got big shoulders. He's got big shoulders. All you got to do is make a putt today, Ty. Make one or two putts, and everything's good. I just don't want to come in last, Be a good teammate. Be a good teammate. You know, if the guy that... The, you know, if the guy that hits the best shot generally hits one in the woods, go there and get it for him. Mm-hmm. You know, do your part. Yep. I can do that. Yep. I can do that. Pick up the flagstick every chance you get to. You know, do that as well. <laughs> Say nice putt. Good shot. Good ball. Good shot. Can I get ball, you another ball. water? Maybe a Gatorade, sir. You know, fresh towel for you. <laughs> just practice. Just practice saying good ball. Yeah. Yeah, just, just do good that. Good ball. Good ball. Fantasy football season is here, and Buffalo Wild Wings is your headquarters for your draft party. Buffalo Wild Wings has draft kits that include a draft board and player stickers. You won't go hungry with this dine-in fantasy bundle for your draft party. Get 50 traditional wings, 50 boneless wings, two trays of party wedges, party-sized chips and salsa, and a party queso dip, all for only $150. Plan your fantasy football draft party and get more details at your Buffalo Wild Wings in Fort Smith, Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, and Jonesboro. Buffalo Wild Wings. Beer. Wings. Football. It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can 
get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core jewelry! You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. So we've had questions about a week or so about what Arkansas's basketball roster is going to look like with uh, Keon Minifield not being a scholarship player. He's redshirting non-scholarship this year. Southern Miss forward Dennis J. Harris announced his commitment via so- social media to Arkansas. He's six six, average nine and six last year at Southern Miss. Uh, started about twenty two games. Uh, guys, he's been reportedly on campus for a while, but this looks like the the last piece of the puddles, puzzle for Arkansas. It's us basketball program. Yeah, he's been hiding right here in plain sight. Everybody's been wondering what's going to happen. He's been here all along. So um, I guess we'll find out more about him when we start seeing him play games. What did you say earlier, Ty, that it's, is it six or seven juniors and seniors that are now on this, this comprised Tommy, roster? you got eight, dude. Eight, you got eight. eight seniors on this roster. Nah, I mean, that, that, that's the formula, Chuck, you were you were talking about months ago is, is that veteran status of a roster and – at least from that part of constructing it, they gotta go play games. But uh, I like the, I like the veteran status in that roster. Well, I do too. And I think again, when you go back and you look at the teams that were left standing at the end of last season, those were the ones that were in the Final Four. So I like that part of it. And you know, you you look at Arkansas's schedule this year, and you look at the teams that they're playing. And it really starts with that exhibition game against Purdue. Mm -hmm. There are going to be a lot of meaningful moments. There are going to be a lot of tight games. There are going to be games we look back on and say two or three possessions decided these games. The thing I like about this group is they've played in meaningful games. Wherever they've been, now it may not have been to get to the Final Four, play in the Elite Eight or whatever, but they've played in important games. They've been on the floor with the game on the line. In many cases, they've had the ball in their hands with the game on the line, or they've been at the free throw line with, you know, four, five, eight, ten, twelve seconds left on the clock. So Mm -hmm. they've played in pressure moments, and they're going to be pressure moments in this season. There's, you know, there's good teams, really good teams. There's college basketball's elite on Arkansas' schedule this year. So I like the fact that they've played in games where – Everything's been on the line, and they've been out there. And you hope that that translates, particularly when we get to March. Uh, Tommy, a couple of those guys that know what it's like to uh, play what's on the line is Isaiah Joe and Jalen Williams. They were back in town this uh, this past week and this weekend for a couple different basketball camps. I'm sure you had some some friends that had kids. I had some friends that had kids that went to the Boys and Girls Club and Northside as well, but they were happy happy to have them back in Arkansas this past weekend. Yeah, I saw. Um, I even saw your your golf partner today, Brett Good, had had went over to the boys' club and was showing his kid his memorabilia over there. Isaiah yes, Joe, sir. like I said, was there. So there was a uh, there's a couple former or, or a, a threesome of former Razorbacks that uh, were over at the Fort Smith Boys and Girls Club that kind of started there as youngsters. Brett just walked by me. He's looking good, guys. He's looking like he's ready to have a good 18 today. I'm excited, and I can't wait for him. Looks like he's ready to carry you. Looks yeah. like he's ready to carry you for about four hours. Yeah. Those broad shoulders you're talking about. He's uh he's been doing some he's been doing some uh, different workouts to to carry my 192 pound butt for 18 holes. Question is, so. what would go further? 
want to tie shots or could just Brett Long snap a golf ball further than Ty could hit it? <laughs> Probably the long snap. <laughs> Based on how I was driving yesterday. I, I'm telling you, Chuck, I was on my way to break 100 for the first time yesterday, and the back nine got away from me, I, and I almost snapped my driver in half. I have not been that mad. Because it was the club's course. fault? Yeah. What, what's the phrase? A bad craftsman breaks. Uh, blames his tools while well, I was blaming a every good golf craftsman club. never blames his mm-hmm. tools yeah tomato potato uh, something like that but yeah I was blaming every cup in my uh, in my bag yesterday it's quite frustrating well it'll happen the good news today is uh, they don't have to play very many of your shots yeah <laughs> that is that's the, probably the best news last thing here in your hog update Marcus Wimberly out of box site is one of the two commits now in the class of 2025 six one kid 180 pounds in-state kid does not have a rating just yet on recruiting but he committed to the hogs over the weekend on the uh, I'm gonna make sure I get this this language right they had the hog wild hangout this weekend guys big recruiting weekend up in Fayetteville where several guys were in attendance for football recruiting visits wasn't it a big barbecue they had this weekend yeah the they were doing a barbecue the basketball team went to the lake I they saw went that. to Beaver Lake um, they were I saw one in. of the videos of their lake trip I mean you know when you when you pull um, when you're pulling a tube behind you're trying to throw them out anyway but one of them I mean it, it somersaulted uh, those guys out of that tube I mean it was uh it was it, whoever was driving the boat. It was an A plus job on uh, on hitting the wake just right. You think Musk was driving that boat? I don't know. Saban drives when Saban does that with some of his players. He drives the boat. So yeah, what they run out of gas one time, Tommy. Yeah, he just sure. bought a new boat. So. Yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. They uh, there the the clip you're talking about. If I remember right, it was Jalen Graham and Makai Mitchell, and they like you said they got whoever was driving the boat did not take it easy. Almost, it made me a little uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, I, I mean I've had a I've had a bruise or two on the tube. So oh it's, yeah. Uh, it happens. I that is swung good. around. Yeah, well, that was part of the. My dad loved throwing us off the tube. That was one of his favorite things. Yeah, but those guys are athletes. Yeah, Yeah. I definitely wasn't one. (laughs) Uh, That's going to do it for your hog update this morning. It's brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. Little programming note here, Tommy. Starting today, we, we, we've got some changes, and really the the rest of the way for for radio wise. Chuck's going to be with us now on Thursday and Friday. Still going to be with us every Monday, but uh, starting today, you'll hear uh, Clay Henry on Ruskin and Zach. Yeah, he's Chuck, gonna, you, he's going to be on at five o'clock today with the boys. So. Yeah, Chuck, you do that every week. What, how, how do you think Clay's going to fare in his first uh, his first outing with those guys? Oh, he'll do fine. Clay can play along. They'll. Uh, They'll uh, show a little fake reverence here at the start. <laughs> and, uh, you know, within a week or two, they'll blister him the same way they do me. Yeah. Oh, man. He'll be fine. How will he do with the poll questions? That's the answer we uh, that, that we're That's seeking not. out today. Well, I'll bet he passed to ponder him a moment or two. Sometimes mm-hmm. I do. Sometimes I have to ponder well, him. You play moment. along pretty well with it. so uh, You know, they, uh, they, they, they do a good job with it. Clay will do fine with him. That'll be fun to listen to today. Clay's going to be with us Wednesday, but he did call me over the weekend. He said, hey, I know I'm supposed to start on Wednesdays this week, but I... My, I was for my birthday. My kids bought me a fishing trip, and it's supposed to be on Wednesday. So I got to figure out when Clay's going to be on this week. But he's supposed to be on Wednesday, starting this week. Goodness gracious, Does he work anymore? Is he? Is he? Well, still? that's what retirement's all about. It's doing the things you want to do. 
Yeah. I so guess you he picks and chooses. Yeah. He picks and chooses now. Yeah. Fishing mm-hmm. comes first. I think that's <laughs> readily apparent. We're all we're all just trying to become our own version of Clay Henry. That's all we're trying to do at this point in our lives. Well, is work uh, towards that. He's he's got he's got to play golf, fishing. He can he can do whatever and watch a little football, basketball, and baseball. He's got a pretty pretty good gig. Well, that again starts today, and, and Tommy kind of laid out the schedule for Clay and, and Chuck the rest of the week. Is there any other? Did I miss one, Tommy? I'm think I think that's all the programming changes that we. And then uh, Richard's going also Richard's going to be with us on Wednesdays as well. He's shifting from Thursday to Wednesday. At six thirty, so um, kind of the changes this. Yeah, week. we're just getting settled in a little bit to uh, to what our fall lineup will be like, and uh, keep everybody uh, keep everybody in line moving forward here. So we're going to have about a month to get it get it ready before uh, football begins. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. I can't help but wonder... With everything that's happened the last couple of weeks, with Colorado going to the Big 12, with all the rumors and rumblings, Chuck, is this a week where we see more movement in college football when it comes to conference alignment? I got to believe with all the rumors and things that are bubbling out there with board meetings being reported at Florida State, uh, supposedly more schools joining Colorado in a move to the Big 12. Maybe the Big 10 is on the move as as well. I think some things are going to shift this week. Well, they may. I'm pretty certain that it's going to be another week of rumors. I I feel certain of that. Um, I read an article last night, and I I don't know who originally wrote it, to be honest with you, but um, they were saying that don't be surprised if by the end of the week, Clemson, Florida State, Oregon, and Washington are all part of the Big Ten. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Now, say that again. Florida State, Clemson, Oregon, and Washington are going to join the Big Ten. That's, That's a mouthful. One of the reports said. Um, Florida State's Board of Regents are holding a meeting Wednesday to specifically discuss conference affiliation. Now, this may or may not mean anything. I don't know. But it certainly will fuel rumors. And, you know, I, I don't know what the Big 12 is going to do. They're obviously in buy mode. I mean, they are aggressive right now and they're riding the wave so to speak and you know um it wouldn't surprise me to see them make another move before the week is over um i I just think that this is this is going to continue to drive the discussion even as schools move into preseason practice according to a report with the action network uh the big 12 is is desiring at least or positioned to add between one and three schools to join colorado 
in 2024. Uh, the league will first seek others from the Pac-12 to join. If none do so, the Big 12 could possibly add one group of five team. UConn, Memphis, San Diego State, and UNLV are at the top of the list for possible schools. Of those four, well, I think I think UNLV would be the most attractive just because of the TV market. Well, San Diego State's going to go well, to the Pac-12. If, if it survives, San Diego yeah. State will go to the Pac-12. I mean, San Diego State is a better program athletically than what UNLV is. Agreed. And uh, um, so, you know, I, I would think that the Big 12 would uh, try to get the Arizona schools. I think they kind of fit sort of the Big 12 model. Um, I, I could I could see I could see both of them going to the Big 12. I could see maybe UNLV going to the Big 12. It doesn't look like Washington and Washington State are going to be a package deal, and it doesn't look like Oregon and Oregon State may necessarily be a package deal. Um, you know, Washington and Oregon, it appears, going to act on their own if everything we read is correct. And I don't know that it is, but I do know that this is going to be another week where people talk about it nationally. And, um, you know, the only thing I would say about all that is that I'm of the opinion that Florida State and Clemson are bigger prizes than maybe others. Mm-hmm. Granted, you're in already in Florida and already in South Carolina, but here's the kicker. The Big Ten's not. Right. That, uh, and you remember when Harbaugh tried to bring Michigan spring practice down to Florida. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that adding Florida State and Clemson from a revenue perspective adds much. Certainly does from a football perspective. But I think it also keeps the other guys out. And here's the thing. The Big Ten's already shown that they are willing to be a coast-to-coast conference. They already are. Uh, the Big 12, at the very least, is going to be a west of the Mississippi conference with maybe you know a few schools like Cincinnati thrown in here and there, UCF. They're going to call themselves a coast-to-coast conference. Sankey has said that as the SEC expands, when they expand, it's going to be, I don't know that this is a word, but I would say contiguously. Yes. It's going to happen along the borders. And if that's the case, then you better fortify your stronghold. If the SEC is going to continue to be regional, and I'm fine with that, just for the record, I don't think they need to go west. Let the other guys do that. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think it fits the model. And I don't think it's a threat, frankly. But I do think that you've got to fortify your stronghold. If you're going to be primarily regional, you've got to have all the good regional football schools in your deal. And so, uh, again, I, there's so much speculation here. Sure. I'm speculating. I'll freely admit that. But I do think that that's going to drive the bus again this week. You know, and that was my first thought when we were going over this list of schools in Clemson and Florida State are possibly at play. Makes you wonder what will happen with the ACC. Maybe we'll talk about that in just a minute. But, you know, that brings the Big Ten into the heart of the Deep South. You know, South Carolina and Florida. Uh, an, an area that the SEC's had only competition from the ACC in recent years. Now, you take Florida State and Clemson out of the ACC, and that changes their business model dramatically. It makes you wonder, are there other schools in the ACC that would now be in play? And who off of that roster would be 
would be of interest to the SEC because I think if the SEC is going to grow, it's to the north and the east when you talk about those contiguous states or, or, or furthering the footprint. A lot of those states get in there and they're, they're, they're tight borders, so maybe it doesn't have to be one exactly touching, but it stays in the same footprint. Chuck, I wonder if the ACC schools that are going to be left behind, if indeed the reports are true that Florida State and Clemson move, that puts the ACC in a similar position to the Pac-12, I believe. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe so. They've, they've got a TV deal. It's not a great one, but at least they've got one. Uh, Pac-12 doesn't doesn't have one. I mean, my, my opinion on the ACC is that, you know, if the SEC were to rate them, and that's a big if. Again, very, very speculative. Um, I'd get Clemson and Florida State, Virginia and North Carolina, and they can have everybody else. Duke, they can have everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um I'd take those four and um, stop there. Well, at, at what at what point do you cease to be a conference and you become a league? I mean, to me, when you're starting well, to we're already with, there. Well, when we're you're flirting with twenty teams in a conference, that's that's you're not there a conference. With sixteen. Huh? You're there with Maybe. sixteen. Uh, I, I I mean, it's 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 basically its own league. We'll continue to call them conferences, but these are full blown leagues now, and you know you could almost. Yeah, I mean, you could you could break up the SEC into four divisions. Certainly, when you get to twenty, you could have North, South, mm-hmm. East, West if you wanted yeah. to. They're not going to, but they could. So, I mean, yeah, you're you're basically operating your own league. Um, but today's, you know, the Pac Nine's not going to survive in nope. its present form. The Big Twelve is going to be a lot more than twelve by the time it's all said and done. The Big Ten's going to be a lot more than ten. Already is. So, I mean. Um, you know, I don't know where it stops, but you're going to have three, maybe four leagues, and that's going to be the teams that play serious football. Yeah. <laughs> your, your branding and your logo are, are out the window as far as what your product actually is anymore. I mean, the, the words Southeastern Conference probably are more in line with the actual teams than any other league that's, that's going to be out there uh, and, and as far as number or brand or what you've meant traditionally over, uh, over time. So, I mean, that, that, that that no longer means anything. Uh, well, it's just point. a name. It's, it's just, just a name for just the a brand. But uh, I'll be interested to see. And, and does any of this conversation, does any of this part of Florida State and maybe Clemson going to the chief rival in the Big Ten, does that make the SEC become a little more proactive so they, they're not forced to be reactive? I mean, does, does any of these conversations make Sankey want to pick the phone up and call either of those schools or any other schools as a result of, of what's percolating out there? Oh, I think if there are, you know, I think there have probably been conversations already. I, I don't think that, I don't think anything on this realignment front, um, by the time we hear it, by the time it's reported, they've been talking about it for months. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the way A&M came into the league. You know, if you want to go back a few years in Missouri, or, you know, back to Missouri, and even us, you know, if you want to go back 30 years or so. So um, Oklahoma and Texas, you know, that was a one-week story. And, uh, and and by what I mean, what I mean by that is we heard about it, and then it happened within a week. It wasn't like it was brewing for several weeks, and then it happened. And I suspect the next round will be that way, too. I just got to wonder, what is good for the long-term health of college athletics? Is it two big power conferences and a couple of others? 
you know, we've had the Power Five model for a long time. I think Colorado's desire to kind of start this last wave of of um, of expansion and movement uh, within the Big Twelve is they they're tired of kicking off at seven Pacific. They want to they want to be in the seven Central time slot, the seven Eastern time slots. That's that's what being in these other leagues means is your game times are going to be at more relevant times locally and on TV where two thirds of the population live. I think that's one of the reasons beyond Dion. You, you got to look when are my games going to be played. And if you're out west, it's a real challenge to get your product and your brand and your program in front of the vast majority of the American population. It just is. And some of this is about when, are, when will my games be played? And when you're in that mountain or, or Pacific Coast time, Chuck, you got to really, I think you got to factor some of those in. And I think that also factors into the minds of people like Greg Sankey and other leaders in college football. And the Big Ten's going to have that challenge by adding those two schools out west. Well, I think the goal now is different than it once was in terms of game times. Um, does it make sense to kick off a game in the central time zone at 8.30? No, but it happens all the time. Um, television's going to dictate this, and as they continue to expand, they're not just going to be in the central time zone. They're going to be in the mountain time zone, and they may even be in the Pacific time zone. Um, I like the fact that our games, in terms of conference ball games, are played in either the Central or the Eastern time zone. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that, you know, you're apt to be playing at any time, anywhere now. Um, you have no control over what times your games are played. And again, as the Big 12 expands, the only place for them to expand is into the mountain and Pacific time zone. So I I just think that's going to be part of the landscape for them. Yeah, but I think that's a big part of the albatross that's hanging around the neck of the the Pac-12 or the Pac-9 or whatever you want to call them now is, you know, the vast majority of their games are are being started or being played at a time where, you know, two-thirds of the American population is either paying attention to other conferences and other games or they're in bed asleep after a long day of drinking and watching football. I well, mean, that, Colorado, that's part of the correct problem. me if I'm wrong, Colorado's in the mountain time zone. Yes. In the mountain time zone. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's an hour difference from us, and there's only an hour difference from the Pacific time zone. I, I don't think in their case it's that big a deal. But the games in that conference are centered on Pacific time, much like you know, in our league, the, the games are centered around Eastern start times more so than Central. So. Well, now, if you're going from Central to Pacific, that's different. That's yeah. two hours. One hour for Colorado, I, I don't I don't, I don't, think is a difference maker. But, you know, one of the things when they discussed some years back about Texas uh, joining the Pac-12 at a time when the Pac-12 was in expansion mode and seemed a lot more viable, was a lot more viable than it is now, that was one of the issues there would be the majority of the games would be leaping two time zones. I don't think leaping one time zone's a big deal. Uh, or leaping two one time zones a big deal. We do it all the time. Colorado can go east or west now and only flip one time, you know, one hour. So um, I don't think it's that big a deal for them. But for example, if the Pac-12 looks to Dallas and SMU, which has been discussed, or they look at some of the other Texas schools, um, as possibilities. Then jumping two time zones, I think it might become an issue then. Yeah, but my point is, just like in the SEC, the 11 a.m. starts really noon Eastern. It's based on noon Eastern. It's based on 3.30 Eastern time is why these TV times in the SEC are set the way they are. 
out in the Pac-12, it's it's set based on Pacific time, not Mountain time. And well, not always. And here's the thing, though, Tommy. Here's how it's different now. And I hear what you're saying, but you have to remember the conference's goal is to have from noon or eleven o'clock, depending upon which time zone you're in. They want you to be able to watch their league until you finally have had enough about 11 or 12 o'clock that night. <laughs> or the whiskey's run out. And, and it's that way in the yeah. SEC. Yeah. That's why we have 8 o'clock kickoffs. That's why we have 8 o'clock kickoffs. If we were playing in a time zone beyond that, we'd have a 9 o'clock kickoff. But all the leagues now, are their goal is to start with their network game at 11 or 12 o'clock, depending upon where they are. And if you are a fan of that league, you can watch it for 11 or 12 hours. So I think all the leagues have that. We have that now. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we have to compete against that, and I don't think they have yeah. to compete against us in that regard. There's, hey, it's, it's, it's 12 hours now. It's, it's as much as you want to bite off. How many 9 p.m. kickoffs you want, big boy? <laughs> How many of those you'd like to sign up for? But we don't deal with that. We're not talking about us. We're not talking about us. So, I, I, I about mean, it. but from a Big 12 standpoint, that's where they have yeah. to go. There's geographically, there's just no place left for them to go. And they're in survival mode. You know, the SEC is not in survival mode. And, and so, uh, but again, back to the original point, I, I, I think Florida State and Clemson are valuable, even though you already have a footprint in that league because your chief conference rival, the Big Ten, does not. And sometimes, for the same reason you sign a player, to keep another team from signing them, sometimes you, you know, in this case, gobble up a school to keep somebody else from taking them. It's kind of like Costco wanting to open in Lowell. You know, that you don't really want them right in the backyard of your chief rival. Well, you probably don't want the Big Ten to be taking Clemson and Florida State because they're right in your front yard, maybe not even your backyard at that Seems point. like that got taken care of. Yeah, that, that, that deal died on the vine real quick. Well, the Major League Baseball trade deadline is here. I know you've been paying a lot of attention uh, to some of the moves over the weekend. There were some big names on uh, on the move over the weekend. I was reading a, an article that was last updated about an hour and a half ago that uh, Shohei Otani is staying with the Angels, but uh, Saturday's trade of Max Scherzer from the Mets to the Rangers suggests there's still uh, plenty of potential and intrigue heading into the deadline, which is uh, 5 o'clock Central Time tomorrow night, Chuck. So I think we got about a day and a half here of of some teams on pins and needles and others hopeful for maybe the player that will give them that late-season surge. Yeah, Cardinals made a couple of trades yesterday, and they probably got another one or two coming uh, over the next 24 hours, I would imagine. Montgomery and Stratton went to the Rangers, and um, then they shipped Jordan Hicks to Toronto. Um, you know, they had said that their priority was going to be next year, and that apparently is going to come in the offseason. Uh, it may come with the Flaherty trade, or the uh, Jack, Jack Flaherty trade, either today or tomorrow. Um, you know, the guys that they got returned yesterday are prospects, uh, minor leaguers. I don't know that you can project any of them. Uh, at this point, to be of real help next year. And so, I mean, you traded away Montgomery. You're apparently going to trade away Flaherty. I mean, you got to figure out who your starter is going to be this week. Um, so it's going to be a lot different. But big big picture, yeah. I mean, you know, they said last week they weren't going to trade Otani, and they can't. They can't trade Otani. You can't measure what you're going to get back from him. 
And uh, Rangers think they found a gem in Scherzer, and I guess we'll see. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.